There was a man who stole from a wealthy and powerful king. Uh, he was told, uh, he was found out, and he was told that uh, he had to meet with the king. He had an audience with the king in a few days. So uh, he's kind of uh, thinking about this and preparing for this meeting. And in the midst of that, his friends throw him a surprise birthday party. So it's kind of uh, sort of conflicting emotions there. It takes his mind off of, uh, of the meeting with the king for a little while. And uh, he's, he's very thankful to have such friends uh, that would give him a surprise birthday party. And he realizes uh, what he's kind of done. And uh, he humbles himself. He cleans himself off. And he prepares uh, for the uh, meeting with the king. When he finally meets with him, uh, the king actually shows compassion on him. And he forgives the man. And not only that, but uh, he invites the man into the palace to work alongside him to be his spokesman, his trusted advisor, like his right-hand man. My sense is that this is the narrative of the high holidays, this uh, story that I just made up. Uh, we start off with Rosh Hashanah. It's a joyful New Year celebration, but it's also really a preparation for Yom Kippur, especially after that and into the days of awe. And then on the Day of Atonement, we come bent down low before the sovereign and merciful king. And then, having received his forgiveness, we enter into his tabernacle of joy in this season of Sukkot. Repentance and forgiveness have made the way for the kingdom of God to break through. Sukkot is a season of the kingdom and a season of the king. But what does this really mean for us as disciples of Yeshua? What is the kingdom all about? Well, this is kind of a big topic, but today I would like to talk about having a kingdom vision. And for old time's sake, I have three points. Number one, Sukkot is all about the king. Number two, Yeshua is the king and the kingdom. And number three, the kingdom of God is upon us. So let's begin with number one. This season, Sukkot is about the king. So the book of Zechariah, it, it frames the king and the kingdom in terms of the feast of Sukkot. Um, it talks about um, this, this feast. Um, so let's take a look at the text. Um, this is in Zechariah 14, verse 9, and then uh, 16 through 19. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship who? The king, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of tabernacles, that is, the feast of Sukkot. If any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. If the Egyptian people do not go up and take part, they will have no rain. The Lord will bring on them the plague he inflicts on the nations that do not go up to celebrate the festival of Sukkot or tabernacles. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not go up to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. Now, the context of this passage in Zechariah is that 
it's about the restoration of Israel. So her enemies are being held to account uh, for their cruelty to Israel, but they're also restored. How are they restored? By repenting and by celebrating this feast of Sukkot. But why, why Sukkot? Why is that special? Why is that um, sort of uh, specifically mentioned here? Well, my sense is that it's because the book of Zechariah and the Feast of Sukkot are both about the kingdom of God. God is king over all the earth. God's justice and love and righteousness will be manifested over Israel and over all the nations. This is one of the main goals uh, and narratives in Scripture. If you read through, this is what we see. God's kingdom. Uh, when we shake the lulav, right, we proclaim that Hashem is king over all the earth in all the cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. Um, when my, uh, my students um, at school, they're learning about the cardinal directions, and they, they, you know, there's little acronyms that you can remember. It's north, south, east, and west. So theirs is, as you go around, is never eat senor wine. That's what they... They, they came up with that. I thought that was very nice of them. I learned soggy waffles. But anyway, Hashem is king over all the directions, and we shake it up to heaven, right? He's king over heaven and king over all the earth. And when we sleep in temporary dwellings this weekend, right, and when we eat in the sukkah, right, we remember that God is king, and we remember our frailty, and we remember his sovereignty, Zechariah reminds us that God is king, not just over Israel, but he wants to be king over every nation, and that every nation will come to worship him. Every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. Keeping this in mind, that Sukkot is about the king and about the kingdom, we're going to bring in our second point, but we're going to keep the first point in our heads. Yeshua is the king and the kingdom. This is the second point. Uh, but we're going to keep the imagery and the context of the festival of Sukkot. Yeshua, of course, fulfills the Sukkot imagery when he comes into Jerusalem. This is when he is entering as the king. And this is what we find in John 12, verses 13 through 15. They took, what does that say? Palm branches. What is that? That's, that's the lulav. That's the same, the same thing we use for Sukkot. Um, so this was during the time of Passover, but they're using images and symbols from Sukkot because what are they saying? Here comes the king. And they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, or we could say Hoshiana. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Yeshua found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. What are these palm branches? We, we already mentioned this. The Greek word here is phoinikon. This is the same Greek word um, that's used in the Greek version, the Septuagint, of Leviticus 2340 that describes the palm branches that we use on Sukkot. In other words, Yeshua is the Messiah king that the scriptures long for, 
the scriptures that describe Sukkot. He's the fulfillment of this feast. When John says, as it is written, what is he quoting? He's quoting our old friend, Zechariah. It's just in a different part. Uh, We just read about God being king over all the earth in the Feast of Tabernacles. And these proclamations that we're, we're seeing, if we could pull it back up, it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it says, Hoshiana, or save us. These are from Psalm 118, which I read um, at the beginning of the service. This is a, a scripture that is traditionally read during Sukkot, even in mainstream Judaism. Psalm 118 is not only about Sukkot, but it also points to the Messiah King. Here are, are some selections from that psalm. And this is a kind of a repeat of the beginning of the service. Let's uh, read it together. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation, or Yeshua. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Hoshiana. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hands, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. These are the texts that John is using, the ones that he's referencing. This is what happens when Yeshua enters Jerusalem as king. It's Sukkot, and it's the Messiah king. These themes run throughout these scriptures. Now, when I introduced point number one, no, sorry, point number two, I said that Yeshua is not only the king, but Yeshua is the kingdom. Well, what do I mean by this? The picture of the king and the kingdom become clearer and clearer through the scriptures. Going back to our Sukkot-themed prophet, our friend Zechariah, we see that the kingdom in this time was about the restoration of Israel. So Israel at this time, uh, what's going on is that it's kind of toward the end of the exile, and they're, they're getting tired of that, and they're longing to return. They're longing to return to the land. And in Zechariah 8, 1 through 7, the prophet has a vision of the kingdom restoration. This is what it says. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion, or zealous over Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with a cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at this time. Uh, Remember, they're outside of the land. They're exiled. But will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. This is the saving king um, bringing them back and restoring Israel in the land. 
to give some context for this passage, we have, uh, we, we have to know why were they in exile. This was, of course, a punishment. Uh, they were banished from the land because of idolatry, because of their um, faith, their lack of, of following the Lord's commandments. But when they repent, when they turn it around, God will have mercy on Israel, and there will be, um, and he will rebuild the kingdom. Instead of desolation and judgment, there will be joy and the kingdom will prosper. What does this narrative remind us of? This reminds us of uh, this narrative from Zechariah. It's a repetition of the narrative in the high holidays. We go from repentance to forgiveness to joy and then into the kingdom, into the realm of the king. The prophet's view, however, this is a narrow view of the kingdom in Zechariah. Prosperity and the return of the people to the land is great, but it's not the full revelation of the kingdom. When Yeshua begins his ministry in Luke, he gives a drosh in the synagogue, like Joanna did. And uh, his drosh is on the book of Isaiah. And he makes this incredible statement. Um, so let's pick it up in verse 16, and this is in Luke 4. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Let's read this together. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. Healing and restoration Revelation from Hashem, the proclamation of the good news, that is the full story of Israel and how that fulfills, the, the, sorry, the full story of Yeshua and how that fulfills the story of Israel. The kingdom is not just about Israel coming back into the land. It is about that, but it's about so much more. The full kingdom of heaven coming through Israel to the nations. The full kingdom of heaven coming through Israel to the nations. And what does Yeshua say about all of this? He says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's, that's some holy chutzpah right there, isn't it? I mean, he's saying, uh, imagine if someone did that today, right? They walked up, they came to the shul, they read from the Parsha, they gave a drash, and they said, you know, actually, this, this is about me. This, this passage, I'm fulfilling this kingdom vision, right, from the prophet Isaiah. We probably would say, mm, probably you shouldn't be giving another drosh. I think this is your last one, right? But of course, Yeshua backs it up with his actions. Yeshua is saying the kingdom that Isaiah is talking about, the kingdom that Zechariah was pointing toward, that the prophets long for, he is fulfilling that before their very eyes and before our eyes. Yeshua is saying that he is the kingdom of God in the flesh, that he inaugurates the kingdom with his own 
identity, with his own ministry. And this brings, brings us to the third point. The kingdom of God is upon us. In Matthew 12, 28, Yeshua is busy doing his ministry. He's casting out unclean spirits. He's doing kingdom work. And then he says this. But if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Say that with me. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Do we hear this? The kingdom of God has come upon you. In the early passage, Yeshua quotes, he says the spirit of the Lord has come upon him to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But now he's saying that the kingdom is upon us. We are inaugurated into this kingdom. We are a part of this kingdom. We are partnering with the king of heaven and earth in his purpose to bring the earth under his sovereign, loving dominion. Paul describes how we might respond to Messiah's eternal kingship in the book of Colossians. And this is uh, chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. Therefore, from the day we heard of it, we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will in all the wisdom and understanding which the Spirit gives, so that you may live lives worthy of the Lord and entirely pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and multiplying in the full knowledge of God. This is a callback to the call of Adam, of God bringing, God bringing his kingdom to, of, of the kingdom of heaven through man, through Adam. We pray that you will be continually strengthened with all the power that comes from his glorious might, that you will be able to persevere and be patient in any situation, joyfully giving thanks to the Father for having made you fit to share in the inheritance of his people in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into what? The kingdom of his dear son. It is through his son that we have redemption. That is, our sins have been forgiven. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is supreme over all creation. Because in connection with him were created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, lordships, rulers, or authorities. He is the king of kings. Amen? They have all been created through him and for him. He existed before all things, and he holds everything together. In other words, Yeshua is that eternal king, Messiah. Also, he's the head of the body, the messianic community, which we are. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might hold first place in everything. For it pleased God to have his full being live in his son, and through his son to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through him, through having his son shed his blood by being executed on a stake. This was Paul's prayer, and this is my prayer for you, that you may be fruitful in your partnership with God, in the work of his kingdom, that you will be strengthened, that you will have patience and endurance to persevere, that you will come to a fullness of the understanding that Yeshua is the preeminent and pre-existing king over heaven and earth, and that in him we have forgiveness, reconciliation to God, and shalom. This is the practical prayer of the kingdom 
manifesting in a community. This is what Paul is praying. And I pray it would be true for all of us. May Hashem give us a kingdom vision for our community. Let us not be content merely to sit in the benches and twiddle our thumbs, but let us partner with the king 